When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a bi-weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode seven, and we are recording on Monday, November 16th. I'm Amanda Nelson, your host and the managing editor of Book Riot, and I am here with Karina Jan Glaser. Karina has had a varied career teaching and implementing literacy programs in family homeless shelters and recruiting healthcare professionals to volunteer in under-resourced areas around the world. She's currently a contributing editor at Book Riot, yeah, and an advocate for literacy in low-income neighborhoods in New York. And you can follow her on Twitter. I will leave the link in the show notes. It's just her name. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for being on my show, Karina. I'm so happy to have you. Excited. <laughs> um, this episode is going to be all about kidlit, which um, my kids are only four, so I haven't really taken a deep dive into the kidlit world. So I brought her on because she knows so much more about it than I do, um, and that is kind of how this show works. So for those of you who have not listened before, this is a write-in recommendation show. So if you have um, reading recommendations you need for yourself, for your book club, for gifts, for whatever, it doesn't matter, you can send them to me on Twitter at I'm Amanda Nelson, or you can email them to the show, uh, which is getbooked at bookriot.com. You can also go to bookriot slash getbooked and, and go into any of the uh, previous episodes. There's a form at the bottom of each um, post where you can drop in your question there as well. Uh, our next show coming up in December will be a holiday recommendation request show. And Jen Northington, who is our events director and a part-time bookseller at Word, will be back uh, to help me with that. So if you are thinking about gifts that you want to give, bookish gifts that you want to give to people for the holidays or you don't know um, what to get someone, then just send us your questions and we will have so many recommendations for you. Uh, and so that will be the next show in December. I can't believe it's already like December. That's insane <laughs> to me. Um, so, okay, let's go ahead and get started uh, with our first kid lit question. This is from Kate. Hello. Hello, Kate. I love Book Riot's podcast and I'm really looking forward to this one. Thank you. Do you have any biography or autobiography recommendations that are appropriate for 12 year olds? I've been searching, but I'm having trouble finding something that isn't too simplified. It's for an assignment or too mature. I'm helping gather titles for a class's project, but it has been a while since I was 12. So I'm having some trouble. I know each kid is different, but I'm looking forward to some good titles to recommend to seventh graders. Any help would be super appreciated. All right, Karina, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Okay, so my first pick for this is Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. It's just a fabulous book. It's won pretty much every award that can be bestowed upon a middle grade book. Um, it is, I just love her writing. She's amazing. She's written a ton of books before. Um, one of my favorites is Locomotion. She wrote a picture book called This is the Rope. In Brown Girl Dreaming, she writes about what it was like to grow up as African American in the 1960s and 1970s, where she was moving back and forth between New York City and South Carolina. So I think it gives such a great perspective into living in two different parts of the country in a very volatile time. Her poetry is just beautiful. I've bought so many copies of this book and I just keep on giving it to everyone I know. I think it's completely accessible to 12 year olds. Um, and a lot of people at Book Riot have read this book too, just absolutely love it. I've never, 
I haven't met anyone that I've given it to that doesn't love it. I think it's a great book for 12 year olds. And I think um, the kids you're working with would love it too. I agree. I love that book so much. Yeah, it's amazing. Like it just, she's just, she can say things so simply and so profoundly. And it's just great. I love it. Okay, so my first pick for this is I Am Scout by Charles Shields, which is a biography of Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, Charles Shields wrote a book called Mockingbird, which was an unauthorized biography of Harper Lee, which I read and really liked a lot. And I Am Scout is his young adult reader version of that biography. Um, Since it was unauthorized, as pretty much every biography of Harper Lee is, because she famously does not like talking to the press, um, it doesn't have a lot of Harper Lee's input in it, but it is, I mean, he went down to um, Monroeville, Alabama, where she lives and interviewed all of her friends, her family, um, neighbors, you know, just insinuated himself into that world to get as much information as he could about her childhood and uh, her life, what her life was like when she was growing up and writing To Kill a Mockingbird and the effect that all that fame and money and everything had on her afterwards. And of course, as we all know, she went on to not write another book. Um, I mean, we have Ghost at a Watchman, but that was written before uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. So it's a great look at her life um, and her influence on the literary world written very simply. I mean, it opens with this scene of her on a schoolyard getting into a fistfight. The, the writing is pretty simple, so it would be really easy for a kid to understand. And of course, it's written for um, for that age. And I think what I like about this is that Harper Lee is such a, an odd figure. Um, she's not reclusive, but she's not not reclusive mm-hmm. <laughs> if that yeah. makes any sense uh, like she lives her life but she just doesn't she doesn't live her life in the way we would expect somebody so famous and so influential to do so she just you know does what she wants in her little Alabama town and I think that's an interesting thing for kids to look at to see how somebody handled that much fame by rejecting it which isn't a common um response to that. So I don't know. I think kids would like this. I liked it. I mean, I'm not a 12 year old, but I, I read, I read both versions of the book and I like them both. So. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I've never read that. I'm going to pick it up. Um, okay. So my next pick is the boys in the boat. It's, um, it was written for adults and they adapted it for younger readers. It's by Daniel James Brown. I sort of see a lot of this happening too, especially in nonfiction adult books being adapted. Um, for teenagers or middle grade readers. Anyways, um, this book is absolutely riveting and it's surprising to me because I have absolutely no interest in rowing or crew, um, but it's surprisingly very um, compelling. It follows the lives of nine rowers um, and they're from the University of Washington and it's back in sort of the 1920s and 1930s um, and it's, you know, we're in the middle of the Great Depression. Um, back then, rowing was sort of seen as sort of this um, sport for people in the upper class and sort of dominated Ivy League schools. And so the University of Washington is sort of this scrappy school with these rowers from working class backgrounds. And the story really centers on one of the rowers, Joe Rance, and he's a kid who has been pretty much abandoned by his family. Um, He has to work to support his education. Um, He pretty much lives on his own. And it's a story about him being a part of this team and always 
there's always this question of if he's going to make the team again every year. And it's also about him trusting his teammates, trusting his coach. And it's just a really beautiful story. And they do end up um, going to the Olympics, which was pretty much unheard of for, you know, a team like that from um, the University of Washington. So they end up at the 1936 Berlin Olympics. It's um, just a very, like, underdog story. I think teens would really understand sort of the power of that story. And um, I think the author really puts together a great setting and describes the history of it. So I loved it. I think I think teens would love it too. Okay, my, uh, my other pick for this question was I Am Malala, uh, the girl who stood up for education and was shot by the Taliban. It's an autobiography by... Malala Yousafzai, and it's co-written um, with Patricia McCormick. And this is the Young Readers Edition. There's an adult version and a Young Readers Edition, which is, uh, I guess, a theme that uh, that we have mm-hmm. going on here. Yeah. Um, but if you are unfamiliar with who this is, Malala was a when she was 15, she lives in, or I don't know if she still lives there now, but she lived in Pakistan. And um, when the Taliban took control of the area where she lived in Pakistan, the girls were not allowed to go to school. And she kept going to school. And when she was 15, she was shot by the Taliban while she was on the school bus um, on her way home and was not expected to live, but she did. And after she recovered, she uh, started speaking before the UN. She's won a Nobel Peace Prize as the youngest person to ever win the Nobel Peace Prize um, and has spent her life post-recovery fighting for girls' rights to get an education, fighting against terrorism with her father, who uh, himself owns a school and really was there for his daughter and helped uh, like champion her decision to continue pursuing an education despite the danger or in face of the danger. Um, and so she's a really inspirational person. She's still, I think she's only like 19 now. She's still very young um, mm-hmm. to have accomplished everything that she's accomplished. And um, I don't know. I think she's, I mean, kids can be famously like not cool about stuff that's quote unquote inspiring. Like it's, you know, whatever it's cheesy and all of that. But I think a 12 year olds are still, are, are like not that cynical yet, you know, like they're, they're not that concerned with being cool. So they might still be here for being inspired by somebody, even if they're not, they will be secretly, they just will act like they're not. Oh, that's the kind of kid I was anyway. Um, but she's such an interesting person and she's still so young and she speaks in such a way that I think kids can really connect with, with what she's saying. And it, it'll make them think about stuff that maybe, especially if you're writing from a, you know, a Western um, or American school system, you know, challenges they've never had to consider before. So I really like that one. Mm -hmm. Have you seen her? um, She's been on some talk shows, like she was on The Daily Show. And I don't know, she's super funny and relatable. Like she did magic tricks for (laughs) (laughs) like, she's just very, she's very cool. I saw her on, um, I think it was, yeah, it was The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Uh, and that was like but he like she like made him cry yeah (laughs) I mean she talks about her experience in such a straightforward like non-violent way and when she when she talks about how she if you know how she was going to respond because of course she considered you know that she might be in physical danger when she was making the decision to go to school and I just can't imagine being 15 and have to think about what do I do if somebody tries to shoot me you know it's just Mm -hmm. it's mind-blowing but she handles it with such like grace and she's so I don't know, she's so cool. She's just cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Question two. This is from Jessica. 
My newly minted fifth grade girl is a reluctant reader. She's loved and finished the Dork Diary series, the 26th Story Treehouse, Everything by Telgemeier, and the Kingdom of Fantasy series by Geronimo Stilton. She is not a fan of Harry Potter and thinks Percy Jackson is just okay. Her biggest hurdle is that she plays soccer 45, 45 days a week, four <laughs> to five days a week. So please offer books that aren't terribly long or slow paced. She doesn't like super girly books. Thanks in advance. Okay, I'll go first for this one. Um, my first pick is Lumberjanes by Noelle, Stil- Noelle Stevenson. If she likes Helgemeyer, I think she'll like Lumberjanes. It's a graphic novel. So great for all ages, girls, boys, doesn't matter. Anybody who can read, <laughs> she will read and love Lumberjanes. And it's about a group of, I think, five um, friends who are all girls who go away to summer camp and um, have various and sundry adventures. And it's just a lot of fun. It's really feel-good there's a, a lot of um, really funny pop culture references that are easily accessible to girls. Um, but it's not as, like, she doesn't, you're saying she doesn't like super girly books. It's not like that. They're very physical. They're out getting dirty. They're, they're running. They're um, fighting bad guys and mythical creatures, um, but not so mythical. It sounds like if she doesn't like Harry Potter or Percy Jackson, she's not, like, into the fantasy stuff. It doesn't go that far uh, as far as Harry Potter or Percy Jackson, Percy Jackson, but there are, like, monsters and stuff. But it's not scary. Um, there, the, another thing I really like about Lumberjanes is there are a lot of references to famous women from history. So there's a lot of places that you can, um, stop and talk with her about other women who actually did exist or, you know, there's a lot of like interesting other reading stuff that could be brought up when you're reading Lumberjanes. Cause if your daughter asks you, well, who is that? You know, you can, you can go find out with her, um, which I think is uh, a great thing that the comic is doing. Um, and, you know, it's a comic, so it's easy to get through. You can pick it up, put it down. She, she'll probably read it in a couple days, even with her soccer schedule. So, yeah, Lumberjanes, lots of fun. Girl power <laughs> to the max. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my, first of all, I love these questions. I love questions from reluctant readers. Um, there's so much in this, uh, this age group that, that I could recommend. My first one is Ungifted by Gordon Corman. This is a hilarious book. It's about this kid named Donovan Curtis. He is a complete prankster. He's like that kid who's always getting in trouble at school. And he ends up um, doing something that uh, it's like he doesn't mean to do this, but he causes this crazy accident at his school. And then because of a misunderstanding in the office, he ends up not on the suspension list, but on the list for gifted children who are going to be moved to um, like the gifted schools, like kids who tested um, really high on their whatever achievement tests and are being moved to the special gifted middle school. Anyways, he ends up on that list instead of the suspension list. It's um, And then he ends up going to this new school mostly because he wants to hide um, from getting in trouble from his old school. And the book is told in alternating points of view. So you get sort of his take on it. And then you get sort of the reactions from the kids in his new school wondering who this guy is. And he seems like he doesn't belong here, but he is like really cool and funny. And he has all these weird um, solutions to problems they have. And anyways, he ends up on the robotics team at (laughs) (laughs) at this middle school. And he adds to it in a way that um, is very different and um, ends up with this, you know, the ro- robotics competition at the end with all, the, all these other schools. And um, it 
the book ends in a very surprising way. It's not how you would think this would go. Um, so anyways, a really fast read, um, very funny. And you also get sort of the point of view of the principal and he's sort of trying to figure out what happened to the kid that he was supposed to suspend. I don't know. It's very funny. And I think it would read fast. And I think, um, yeah, your daughter would really like that. <laughs> so my second pick is Holes by Louise Sacker, which is a classic. And I try to kind of stay away from these big, super famous books when we're doing this show, because obviously most people have heard of them and you don't need me to tell you about them. But I really think that she would like this one if she's not read it already. Um, it's about a, a, guy, a boy who's he thinks he's cursed. He's unjustly sent away to like a, a detention center, um, a juvenile detention center called Camp Green Lake, where the boys who were there have to build character by spending all day, every single day, digging holes, which are five feet wide and five feet deep. And they're told that they're doing this to learn discipline and to what and to learn, you know, self-control and all that. Um, but obviously they, they eventually realize that they're looking for something. Like the person who directs the camp is having them essentially um, do manual labor for her, uh, digging up this entire like lake bed looking for something and they, they don't know what it is. And so uh, they're treated really poorly uh, there's a mystery. And it, I think the thing that, that she'll like about this is it seems based on what she's read already that she enjoys like kind of misfits having adventures <laughs> stories. And this is such a misfits having adventure stories. And it jumps back and forth between um, in, in time periods. There's um, uh, there's a story about like racial injustice that ties the whole thing together. But it's not so I mean, it's difficult. It'll give you stuff to talk about uh, with your kid, but it's not so, you know, like traumatizing or um I, I mean I think it's fine for a fifth grader is what I'm trying to say mm -hmm. like um, yeah. I think she can totally handle it uh, but it's a great conversation starter and considering everything that's happening in the world right now I think it would be really a, a really great way to open that conversation up with a kid um through a book which is the way the only way that I know how to talk about anything with people is, <laughs> is through books um but it, the mystery that's at the center of trying to figure out what the camp director is looking for and the, the kids trying to um get out from under their mistreatment is keeps it from being slow paced. It's, I think it's like about 240 pages, but you, you just fly through it so fast. Cause you got to find out what this lady's looking for and why she's using kids to get it. And like, will justice be served in a number of different ways. Um, so yeah, I really, really like that book a lot. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, my next pick is the strange case of origami yoda by tom engelberger it's such a f great name for a book um the way he writes and illustrates his book is so brilliant basically it's this kid named tommy who is creating this case file with notes from the kids in his sixth grade class and they're trying to figure out whether um sort of like the weird kid in the class a kid named dwight um is for real because what Dwight starts to do is he folds this um, finger puppet <laughs> origami Yoda and so and then he starts talking through this finger puppet to everyone and everyone in the class is sort of weirded out by this and they're trying to figure out whether um, he's really <laughs> speaking through this puppet himself or if it's really Yoda speaking to them and <laughs> so it's really interesting because they start skeptical, but then they realize that Dwight is actually predicting all these things correctly through the origami Yoda. Like, um, he correctly predicts that a pop quiz is happening, um, a bust of Shakespeare goes missing, and he correctly predicts who took it. And then he starts giving kids advice about life and 
like through the origami or the <laughs> finger puppet. And it is actually bizarrely effective and intuitive. His advice is like spot on. And the kids are really baffled by this. And so they're trying to solve this mystery in this case file and they're writing their thoughts down in the case file. And it's pretty funny to read and really easy to get through because of the way it's written. It's also like little illustrations and whatever. It's very, it seems like something that sixth graders would write and put together. It doesn't seem like an adult, um, you know, putting their thoughts on a sixth grader's perspective. Um, there's a lot more books in the series too. So if she does like it, there are a lot of other funny books um, in the same vein. And also a fun fact is that his, the author and illustrator's wife is Cece Bell, who wrote El Defo, and that's another awesome book if your daughter loves Telgemeier. Um, and yeah. That's it. All right. So question three, I think we have another, this is another reluctant reader kind of situation, sort of. Uh, my daughter is in seventh grade and is a good reader, but she cannot seem to find a book that she likes and connects with enough to finish. The only book that she's found that she really likes is The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. She's read this book at least five times and can quote passages from it. Any help you can give would be greatly appreciated, and that is from Leah. <clears throat> okay, why don't you go first on this one? Okay. Um, the Outsiders, such a great book. So good. <laughs> so much. Stay gold. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so my first pick is Breakaway by Kat Spears. Um, this is a book that was published in the last, um, I think it was published this year or maybe last year. But this book reminds me so much of a modern Outsiders. It's got the male friendships. It's got rivalries based on class. It has these super likable, rough main characters. Um, so what this book is about is Jason Marshall and his three best friends. Um, and they're also soccer teammates. They are sort of like, you know, their own group of friends. They're, they hang out all the time. They, you know, do their sports together. And the book begins when Jason, the main character, his sister passes away and his mom pretty much falls apart. His dad is not in the picture. So he really needs his friends more than ever. Um, but then the group starts falling apart a little bit. One of his, one of his friends starts hanging out with um, a group of friends that are really rough. They're into drugs and they're just, um, he sees his, his friends sort of falling apart. Um, and then another one starts dating this girl that he loves and sort of, you know, veers out of the group. And Jason is sort of left on his own. And um, he's trying to be a good friend to the other kid in the group, Chick, who is socially awkward, dealing with a lot of emotional things. Um, and then Jason meets a girl that he thinks is completely out of his league um, in terms of like she has a lot more money than him and goes to this private school. Um, but they really click and he finds himself being pulled into this relationship with her that he really likes her. And he's also at the same time grieving for his sister, trying to hold together his group of friends. Anyways, I think um, the author, Kat Spears, has a really fresh, funny voice. I think um, the way she portrays Jason is just really... Um, it's just got this, like this, the outsiders, like this really, um, authentic voice. And I think if, if your daughter loves outsiders, I think this is a great sort of modern way of, um, portraying the outsiders. So. Okay. So my first pick for this is the girl who circumnavigated fairyland in a ship of her own making by Catherine Valenti, which I feel like, oh, excuse me, feel like is a, a kind of a, 
weird fairy tale fantasy version of yeah. the outsiders. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> <what> it is. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, it's a little confusing, but uh, it's about a twelve-year-old girl named September who lives in Omaha. Um, and I, there's no like, I, I don't think there's a time period really given, but it's obviously like a World War II situation. Um, she's got a very ordinary life, and then her father goes off to war, and her mother um, goes back to work to support her while her father is gone. And then one day, while she's at her kitchen window. The Green Wind, which is uh, a gentleman in a green jacket, comes and takes her off to Fairyland. And so she stumbles into this kind of political situation in Fairyland where the the, the ruler, the Marquess, is unpredictable. She's really kind of mean. She looks oddly a little bit like September, and is ju- but just a little bit older. And she wants September to go on this quest for her. And if she doesn't, then the Marquess is going to do all these horrible things to the people who live there. September makes a bunch of friends along the way, including um, a a boy who's blue, his name is Saturday, and um, a wyvern, which is like a dragon creature who um, was raised in a library, whose parents are a library, and he he loves books, and it's really cute. Um, But in the same way that The Outsiders has these simple ways of putting really difficult situations um, that are like such a gut punch, but the kids can get and internalize and um, start to understand. September does that throughout this book. I mean, she, it's not, um, it's not in, in the way that most, that the best fairy tales have an underlying darkness. The girl who circumnavigated Fairyland has that underlying darkness. And September is not like a super sweet Alice in Wonderland kind of character. She's very smart and self-aware. And um, like the stuff that she says about the darker themes running through the book, it's just so smart. And like, I'm, you know, 30 and the the way that she words things would never have occurred to me. And I think that kids will really relate to her way of thinking um, and will appreciate that that the book doesn't talk down to them uh, in the same way that The Outsiders never really talks down to the readers, even if the reader is a kid. Um, this book never does that. It never talks down to kids, which I really appreciate. And I just love it so much. And the little band of, of, of outcasts of September and her little dragon friend and her little blue boy friend named Saturday um, reminded me a lot of the outsiders. Uh, they're, they're up against bigger, tougher um, people and situations and creatures, and they come through. And it's just really great. And I love it. And it's also a series. I think there are four now um, of the adventures of September in Fairyland. And I love them so much. <laughs> okay, my next pick is um, The Crossover by Kwame Alexander. This book won um, the 2015 Newbery. It's completely amazing. It's told in verse, and it has so much rhythm and style to it. I think that like, when you read it, you almost find yourself sort of like moving to the beat of his words. Mm. It's really great. Um, it's about the relationship between two brothers. They're 12 and they're, they both play basketball and basketball is sort of like the center of their world. Their dad is a retired professional basketball player. But when we meet them, they're sort of beginning to form, the boys, the um, brothers are beginning to form their own identities really for the first time, like one of the brothers, um, you know, he likes this girl, he starts dating this girl, and the other one is sort of processing what it means to not have his brother all to himself and to not have basketball as the center of their world. And in addition to that, the the father um, has these health issues that he's not really dealing with and not talking to anyone about. And yeah, it's a great, it's a great book. It's amazing. It's satisfying. It's a quick read. And I think most kids will connect with it even if 
they're not into basketball. I think just like the, the rhythm of the language will just pull you in. And I think the voices of, um, the voice of the, the, the boy who is sort of narrating it is just so compelling. I think, I think kids would love it. All right. So my last pick for this is the Leviathan series by Scott Westerfeld. Uh, most of the time, I think when people talk about Scott Westerfeld, they talk, they talk about his ugly series, but I loved the Leviathan series so much more. It's a steampunk alternate history of World War I. Um, and the main character is a girl named Darren Sharp. She's not um, wealthy. She's like a, a commoner, very young. She disguises herself as a boy so she can join the British Air Service. And she is brilliant. Like, she's so good at being a pilot. And the, the steampunk AU thing that comes in here is that the British are developing weaponry and their economy based on um, Darwinian genetic manipulation of, of animals. Like the, their uh, steamship that they live in in this book is actually a giant air whale. It's like alive. And um, so they're, they're using genetic science to create weapons and things like that. And they are up against the, Austria, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which is um, doing a more steampunk thing with like mechanical stuff. So their weapons are all mechanized. They're not using um, genetics at all. And so they call the British like godless and the British call the Austro-Hungarians like whatever, dumb and all of this. So that's where the the, the <laughs> conflict um, between the two countries comes from. So obviously that's not actually what happened, uh, but you know, whatever. And so the, the Darren meets Prince Alexander, who is the would-be heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne and is on the run because his own people have turned on him. He's lost his title. All he has is a... a war machine that's falling apart and a loyal crew of men and then the two of them meet and adventure happens <laughs> and so it's got a lot of um there's mystery there's adventure there's running there's there's not there's like the two of them are friends and the feelings between the two characters develop as the series carries on so if she's not cool with like any sort of romancy stuff then it's not in the first one really and she can just skip the rest but I love this character so much of Darren who dresses up like a boy to get what she wants. And there are so many brilliant female characters uh, in this book that I, and I just, I appreciated it. I really did. And it's just a lot of fun. And it's got in the same way, like I was saying before about how um, the girl who circumnavigated fairyland and the outsiders all have, um, are dealing with some darkness, but in a really smart way that kids can understand and isn't talking down to them. This one is this, it's dealing with war, like big widespread worldwide death war destruction in a way that um is understandable but not condescending and it, it's also a lot of fun and i really like it so yeah scott westerfeld thanks so much okay <laughs> question number four i love this question so much because i am this person uh this is from samantha i just finished rereading the little house on the prairie books for maybe the 20th time oh, i feel that pain <laughs> i feel it that's great yes. awesome. while perusing the more autobiographical pioneer girl which is a new um i like autobiography uh of laura ingles wilder any suggestions for a reader who wanted more than anything to be laura ingles wilder when she grew up <clears throat> okay so i'll go first for this one my first pick for this is the Oregon trail by rinker buck this is a new book it's not a kid's book this is a, a grown-up book um, but you are a grown-up, so I feel like you'll appreciate it. And it is about a man. Uh, it's a memoir of a journalist, Rinker Buck, who in his 60s um, 
is concerned about his job. He's a, a traditional journalist in a newspaper and then the internet thing happens and he's worried that he's going to lose his job. He gets divorced. He's drinking a lot. He's just not in a great place. So what he decides to do, because of course, is take a covered wagon pulled by mules across the Oregon Trail, which will make him the first person to cross the Oregon Trail in a covered wagon in over a hundred and some odd years. So he does it. He gets his brother, who is a professional uh, mule driver or carriage driver for a living, and they pack up a covered wagon and they go to the Midwest and they hit the trail. And it's the story of that. So it's a combination of like hilarious interactions between the two of them as they try not to kill each other when they're stuck in a covered wagon for like six (laughs) months together. Um, Survival stuff, like how they're what they eat where they where they stop how they manage to keep the 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 mules alive it's got so much history of the actual Oregon trail um there's a lot of mormon history because the mormons had a lot to do with the trail and um a lot of wagon terminology stuff that you'll learn it's just fascinating and if you um the stuff that i really like about the little house in the prairie books was the survival stuff i wasn't so much interested in like the characters or relationships i wanted to know like just what was life like living in a wagon, you know, living off your wits. And that's what this book has, what the Oregon Trail by Rinkerbuck has. And plus, he's just like this crotchety guy (laughs) doing a thing because he's just pissed off at the world. And I love that so much. So do check that out. It just came out in June, so you should be able to find it pretty much anywhere. And that is my first pick. Great. Okay. So so there is um, sort of the – the Pioneer Girl, which is the annotated biography of Laura Ingalls Wilder. But then there's this fiction book also called Pioneer Girl. It's written by Bick Nguyen. And this is a great read. It's the story, it's a modern day story of a bookish Vietnamese woman. Her name is Lee Lin. And she comes home after finishing her PhD in literature, finds herself jobless and working at her mom's restaurant, which as you can imagine, her mom is not so happy with, um, her daughter not being like a doctor (laughs) or something. Um, but then Lee finds this gold pin that's come from their past, uh, when they were living in Vietnam and during the war. And she is really intrigued by that because she, um, loves Little House on the Prairie and she notices that this pin looks so much like a description of a pin that was in those books and um, so she ends up sort of crisscrossing the country trying to figure out where this pin originated and it's just a really sweet story and when you're reading it, it almost reads like a like as a memoir, like this really happened to this woman. And it's just brilliant because it's written like that. It makes you feel really invested in um, this woman and her finding out about her history. And, um, you know, and just it's so relatable, you know, like getting this education and then not really knowing what to do with it, but also finding a connection between like an item and something that, you know, you're really passionate about. So that is my first pick. Okay, so my next one for this is called The Little House in Brookfield. It's by Maria D. Wilkes, and this is a children's book. It's the first in a series called The Caroline Years. And this is a um, in the vein of Little House on the Prairie, but the main character is Caroline, who is who would grow up to be Laura Ingalls Wilder's mother. So um, Little House on the Prairie for Ma, mm-hmm. about Ma, and Ma's childhood, if that makes sense. Um so it's an ongoing series, and that's really all 
I have to say about it. Like, know, like Little House on the Prairie, but about Ma. Like, what else do you want? This is exactly what you're asking for. <laughs> you know? My um, daughter has read this and she loves it. She, yeah, okay, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, it's a good, it's a great pick. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's based on diaries and letters and other like historical papers in the same kind of way that Little House on the Prairie is. And it's got the same, you know, characters. So there's that, that'll tie you to it. And all of the the same stuff that I loved about the Little House books of like, surviving on the frontier kind of stuff. Um, and that is a children's book and it's a whole series. So you've got tons of stuff you can dive into there. That's Great. number two. So um, my next pick for this is A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. It's by Betty Smith. It's sort of like a, like, I see it as like an urban version of The Little House um, because it's written in the early 1900s. It's about... Um, this girl, Francie Nolan, and her brother, Neely, growing up in just like this really um, poor neighborhood. And if you love Little House and you love sort of, you know, the survival story and what you have to do to <laughs> like make things and um, store up food for the winter and all these things, this is like a great urban version of that. So you see Francie and her brother like collecting all this trash and going to the guy who buys the trash and um, recycles it and pounds down things for metal. And then you see them like getting their coins and going and spending them at the penny market and them debating about, you know, whether they should spend it all or save some of it. And I don't know, it's really sweet. And it follows Francie as she grows up in Brooklyn. And she's like a really big reader too. So I don't know, I just love books about kids who love reading. Um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great sort of urban tale. And, um, if you like history and you like sort of survival stories, this is a great one. I love that book so much. I know. <laughs> it's like the book of my heart. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are, uh, oh, we're moving along. All right. Question five. Um, this is from, oh wait, these are two. So these are two questions that I've combined into one because they're both very similar. So I'll just read them both because they're kind of the same. Um, the first one is from Liz. I've reached that point in my twenties where pretty much everyone I know is having babies. I have two mom-to-be friends who loves, who love books as much as I do. And I know they will be consistently reading to their children and exposing them to a literary environment from an early age. I'd love to give them children's books as presents, but I want to go beyond the standard Dr. Seuss and Eric Carl repertoire. Do you have any recommendations for books that feature diverse characters and substantial stories? Both of my friends are also giving birth to girls. So if you know of any books featuring inspiring strong female characters, that would be great as well. And um, so that's from Liz. And then Chelsea asks, my best friend's sister had a baby boy nine months ago, and she's looking for book recommendations to build up her baby boy's library. She's in the market for children's books about or written by African-Americans. So why don't you start us off? Okay, great. Um, I love I love people who are looking for books to give um, for people who are having kids and they don't want sort of the typical like good night moon or whatever. So I'm so happy about this question. Um, my first um, book pick is called Extra Yarn. It's by Mac Barnett. It's illustrated by John Klassen. John Klassen's the same guy who wrote that book, I Want My Hat Back. I love that book so much. So <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Street <laughs> justice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like nature is so brutal. Um, anyways, he is such an awesome illustrator. And this book is, I chose because um, it is a strong girl character. It's a girl named Annabelle. She lives sort of in this 
black and white world. It's very dreary. But then she finds this box of multicolored yarn and she just starts knitting everyone a sweater, including all of her family, her neighbors, her classmates. And then she starts going and knitting sweaters for the animals, like people's <laughs> pets, like wild animals. Um, she starts covering the houses in this yarn. Like this yarn like never ends. And um, she starts like getting you know, famous for this. And then an archduke ends up finding out about this magical yarn and he comes in the middle of the night and steals it. And so, and then it's a story about like how this, like what happens to this yarn afterwards. It's such a sweet, wonderful, beautiful story. Um, yeah, I, I just love it. Annabelle is the best. So my first um, pick for this one was Happy in Our Skin by Fran Manushkin and Lauren Tobia, another situation where I've never said their names out loud. So if those are mispronounced, I'm sorry. Um, this book came to me because I complained on Twitter about how hard it is for me sometimes to find books, um, children's books, with a, a lot, with a cast of diverse characters because, um, you know, I have boys, they're four years old, and... They are, I guess, I don't even know. I'm going to let them decide what they want to call themselves. But they're, my husband is white and I'm um, half Filipino, so they're whatever. Um, but it's it's how to put without going down ranting, rambly. <laughs> I want them to understand that not everybody, you know, not everybody looks like them. And even if that's true, everybody has value. Anyway, so it's difficult finding books that represent that. Um, and so when I complained about that, a friend of mine, Raquel from Candlewick, Candlewick, which is a great children's book publisher, sent me this box of books with all of these diverse characters. And I was just so thankful. And this one was my favorite out of that box. So Happy in Our Skin. It's just about how babies are adorable, no matter what they look like and how everyone is born happy in their skin and should stay that way because everyone is beautiful and amazing and has worth. And it's just super sweet. And the, 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 um, the drawings are great in the book. Everybody, uh, the, I mean, it's like all kinds of people of color. There are diverse uh, parenting situations, like family situations you can tell in the book. So uh, no matter what your family looks like, you'll probably find yourself represented in this really adorable book. It's not a board book. It's like a, you know, hardcover children's book. So I don't know if it would be maybe for the second question where you've got the nine month old who's getting a little older, but either way, like it's a kind of book that you hang on to even if your kid's not ready for it, so that you can read it to them when they are ready for it, because it's just so lovely and nice, and I really love it. Okay, so <clears throat> I was debating between... <laughs> there are so many great books. I <laughs> Go, we have time. Okay, great. So, um, okay, my next pick is Last Stop on Market Street. It's by Matt De La Pena, and I just discovered this book. It's so beautiful. Um, it's written and illustrated by the same person, and it is all about appreciating things that we have in whatever situation we're in, even if we don't have as much as others, other people have. Um, so it starts off with a boy and his grandma. They're leaving church and heading on a bus to a place we don't find out about until the end of the book. And along the way, the boy is sort of grumbling about different things that are happening, like it's raining or, you know, it's a long wait for the bus. And then when they get on the bus, he, you know, has all these different things that he's noticing and, um, like a, a couple of teenagers come on with an iPod and you sort of like, I want to, I want that. And anyways, his grandmother is just so special. She has these wise things to stay, to say in response about like how beautiful their own situation is and how, um, 
their unique situation gives them insight into other people's lives and to community in a way that they wouldn't have gotten if, you know, they just had a car and just hopped in their car and it was just the two of them. Like instead they're on this bus with all these people and, you know, getting to meet all these different people who are wonderful and are different from them, um, but also share the same um, things like music or whatever. It's a really sweet, wonderful book. And I think that um, it's not like a preachy book either. It's just, I think kids will understand the intent of the story without it being like, you know, you should just be grateful for what you have. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's like not like that. It's just, it's just really sweet. My other pick is kind of similar to that. It's called Not Norman. It's by Kelly Bennett and uh, Nosy Jones. And it's about a little boy who gets a goldfish as a pet for his birthday, but he doesn't want it because goldfish are lame. <laughs> and they're, they're boring and they can't catch and they don't climb trees and they don't, you know, you can't pet them and you can't cuddle up with them to sleep at night. So he's just kind of bleh about it. He's not digging the fish. Um, but then he takes the fish to show and tell and he takes the the fish when he's scared he hears a noise outside of his window one night and um finds comfort in his in his little fish (laughs) in his norman the goldfish um and so it's really just about kind of like appreciating the things that you're given but totally not in a preachy way because no one ever tells him you need to learn to appreciate the gifts that people give you he just learns to do it on his own because he learns to find the value in this little pet that he didn't think he wanted but that turns out to be exactly what he needed um so it's a very sweet story and I, i i do like the I, I do tend to be like, I like the moral in this, you know, for my kids because I want my kids to appreciate what I give them, uh, even if it's not necessarily what they thought they wanted. Um, but it's, you know, it's just really like heartwarming. And I like, um, oh, what is it? There's a book, I can't remember the name of it, about a sloth. I love books about kids and their oh. pets. I think they're so cute. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think they um, know what you mean. Yeah, the sloth yeah, book. I, yeah, I'll try and find the title of it and drop it in the show notes. But it's the same sort of thing where like, uh, it's about a little girl who wants a sloth. So she gets a sloth, but then she the sloth does not behave as she wants it to because it's a sloth. Yeah, but it's I think lovely. it's called Sparky. Is it Sparky? Yes, yeah, yes. Like all he does is Sparky. sleep and like she um, like wants to have a show with him in it. <laughs> <laughs> but he won't like get up. Yeah. It's so great. But, like no one comes to the show. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good, yeah, one. That's a good one. Also too. Sparky. <laughs> anyway. You are, go. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking about that. <laughs> um, okay, should we do a couple more children's book recommendations or oh, oh do oh, yeah or I mean, you have like one more picture books um yeah you do your kids books and then I'll do the board books and then you can do the board books and then we'll move on we've got okay time. so um yeah. my other picture book is called Max Found Two Sticks it's by Brian Pinkney he wrote it and illustrated it um it this is a story set in an urban area and it's about this super cute kid named Max and he finds two sticks that um he discovers he can make music on anything. He's using garbage cans, buckets, his sister's hat boxes. Um, I think it's set in Harlem. I'm pretty sure it's set in Harlem. It's definitely in New York City. And um, it's just like a very diverse neighborhood, diverse cast. There are gorgeous illustrations. I think what um, this author illustrator does so brilliantly is capture movement and sound in his illustrations. And my kids love this book when they are younger. I must have read it like a thousand times. They just loved, you know, the movement of it. Um, and yeah, it's just a great, sweet book. All right. So let's talk about board books because... Um all the books that I've recommended so far have been just children's books, like the big hardcover ones. But if you've got, if you're like going to um, baby showers and stuff, which I think Liz is who asked the first question, she's got two pregnant friends. 
um, then you're probably looking more for like board books, which are the little smaller card back or cardboard. I assume no one understands any of this terminology until they have kids. Um, but the, the smaller cardboard books that kids can gnaw on, you know, and can't like rip. Um, and so my first board book that I really like actually comes in a board book version and a regular children's version. And both of them are great. And it's called The Bear Snores On. Uh, and it is by Carmen Wilson. And I love this book so yeah, much. Yeah, so good. So good. It's so sweet. <laughs> uh, and it's just about a bear in a cave who is sleeping, <laughs> snoring. And a bunch of animals start to show up and decide to have a party. Like they come and they make tea. And then another, like a bird comes and pops some popcorn and a mouse comes and they make tea. And um, they just start having, you know, someone's going to make stew. And then eventually he wakes up, this bear, and discovers that his cave is full of all of these animals. And of course you assume, especially if, you, if you've read I Want My Hat Back, <laughs> yeah. that this bear is about to have, you know, a buffet. But instead you realize that these are all of his friends. And he's woken up to a cave full of like his best buddies having a party and he's so happy and it's just really nice y'all I like it so much and that's it (laughs) go ahead um okay so board book recommendation that I love that I carried everywhere with me when I had my when my girls were younger was um Andy Warhol's Colors by Susan Goldman Rubin um it's like one of those books you can read over and over again because it like doesn't have a lot of words and like as a young mom you know you're just like exhausted all the time you don't want to read like super wordy books anyways it's all Andy Warhol's um, original paintings there's you know the one with the cow and all this stuff and it's um, paired with um, just like very brief like easy to read words and but said like in a really beautiful way and anyways my kids loved it they would just like take it out all the time and just look through it on their own like the colors are very vibrant and very fun and just really great for their like little babies to look at oh there was something I wanted to mention here that I forgot to put in the show notes the indestructible series from workmen have you seen no these? I haven't you know these books they are amazing. They're, they have no words. They're just picture books for babies. And they are literally indestructible. Like the, um, the pages are made out of the same stuff that shipping envelopes are made uh-huh. of. So it's, they're chew-proof. They're rip-proof. They, um, you know, if they get wet, they're washable. The ink is non-toxic. So if you're giving it to a baby, like an actual baby, and you just want to get them familiar with what a book looks like in form, these are great because they can chew them, mm-hmm. they can spit on them, and and then you can just toss them in the washing machine. Um, I've seen them at Target. When they first came out, you can only really get them, I think, on the Workman website. But I'm starting to see them at Target. And there's like a creep crawl one, which is about bugs. There's one about um, like other, what, like baby body parts and stuff like that. And they're just really cute and uh I love that they're indestructible. I I give these at baby showers all the time and parents are always like completely wowed (laughs) and a little like suspicious because how is it? But no, it is like I I gave it to when my best friend had her baby. I gave her an indestructible and her husband tried to rip it up and he couldn't. Yeah, he was like, what? Indestructible. And I was like, do it. It turned into this like showdown between (laughs) me and Workman Publishing and my best friend's husband. But I won. That book is indestructible. So it's just called The Indestructibles and you can find them wherever. So, okay. Are we on our last question? We yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. This is a good one. I love this question. <clears throat> so this is from uh, Anjali. I'm a 13-year-old girl, and every night my dad reads to me before I go to bed. In the past, we've read books like Harry Potter and other middle-grade books and series, but recently it's been harder to find books we can enjoy. 
Currently, we're reading Coma by Robin Cook, and while it has an interesting plot, I just can't get behind the way the protagonist is portrayed as a medical student who's only given an advantage because of her beauty, despite being the smartest person in her class. The same thing has happened multiple times, and we've had to stop reading some books because of the writing and the message. My dad also has very specific tastes and prefers action or thriller stories with minimal depth or emotion. He also falls asleep really easily at night, and while he tries, he zones out when he isn't interested in the story. I can't really think of anything that could satisfy both of us and we appreciate any suggestions. This is the greatest so question great. ever. Okay, yeah. you go first. Okay, I just, first of all, I just love that your dad and you read at night. It's just so great. <laughs> um, and I think it's hilarious that he falls asleep really easily because I feel like that's like what happens to parents everywhere. <laughs> like at the end of the day, they're just exhausted. Um, okay, so I tried to choose books that were just like super action-packed and super intriguing. So my first one is Codename Verity by Elizabeth Ween. I can't even really explain this book well. It's just so full of intrigue and it works with two points of view and you're, um, I'm just going to read you like what's on the flap. Um, so it's October 11th, 1943, a British spy plane crashes into Nazi occupied France. It's pilot and passenger are best friends. One of the girls has a chance of survival. The other has lost the game before it's barely begun. When Verity in quotes is arrested by the Gestapo, she's sure she doesn't stand a chance as a secret agent captured in enemy territory. She's living a spy's worst nightmare. Her Nazi interrogators give her a simple choice, reveal her mission, or face a grisly execution. So basically the story is about Verity, which is not her real name, but she sort of um, has to, like, you know, tell, like, all the secrets of what her country is doing as a part of this war. And she's sort of weaving this confession while also like withholding information, but making it so it doesn't seem like she's withholding information. Anyways, I think this is a great pick because, um, you know, like it's, it's about two girls who are teenagers, but are fighting in a war and they're really an essential part of this war effort. And also like working in these situations where it's basically, you know, impossible to, for this book to end well. So, Anyways, I think it reads really quickly, and I think your dad would be interested in this and not fall asleep because I think it, <laughs> it's like a mystery, and you're trying to figure out what's happening as it's going on and trying to see, like, what's actually going on versus what's being said. So, anyways, I think you guys would like this. So, my first pick for this is the Sabriel series by Garth Nix. This is actually my favorite young adult book series Evil. Uh, and I think if you, you've already done Harry Potter, and Sabriel reminds me a lot of the, the later books in the Harry Potter series. It's got the, it's fantasy and it's dark in the same way that the later books in the series of Harry Potter are dark. Um, so it's about a girl named Sabriel whose father is called the Abhorson, which in this world means that it's his job to keep the dead down. So uh, in this world, when people die, they can come back essentially either as ghosts or as tools of other magicians like necromancers can raise the dead and use them as an army um and so there's this really intricate uh, system of rules and magic and laws that are in place and the abhorsen's job is to keep the dead where they belong and to defeat you know big bad guys who are using the dead for evil purposes um so her father the abhorsen has sent sabriel off to boarding school where there is no, and he sends her off across a wall. Once you go across the wall, there's no more magic and there's like electricity and all that stuff. So he sends her across the wall 
to go to school. And then she finds out in her final semester that her father has gone, her father has gone missing. And she has to go back to the old kingdom where she hasn't been for forever, where all of this magic exists and take up the mantle of being the abhorsen, which she has no experience with and to find her father and figure out why he's gone missing. And he's a very important figure. I mean, he's not, he's almost like a Royal kind of figure in this world. And so finding out what's happened to him means that she's automatically inserted into all of this political intrigue um, and a deep, dark mystery. And so I don't think your father will fall asleep at all. It's fascinating. Like you, Hey, Garth Nix is so good at building this world that you keep reading just to find out how stuff works. Like how they keep, how they defeat the dead, what, what the underworld looks like. Like he builds this underworld and it's so like beautiful and intricate and weird. And it's just a great series. And there, I think are three or four at this point, plus a collection of short stories. So if you like the first one, you've got plenty of material uh, to keep going. And there are such interesting characters. My favorite character is, um, oh God, what's his name? Moffat, I think? I don't remember his name. Anyway, the Aporson has, uh, not enslaved, that's the wrong word, captured this this free spirit that does harm, like doesn't follow any, he's kind of a psychopath. This free spirit who follows no um, moral compass. The Aporson has tied him to his family for eternity. So he essentially has to, has to do what they say. Um, and he does. So he's on the, the side of good, but he's doing it reluctantly. And he only follows like the letter of what he's told to do and not the spirit. So he's just like this trickster character that I love so much. And he's a cat. He takes the form of a little cat. Oh. Um, so like so a cute. mischievous little cat who like wants to cause evil kind of, but only sort of, <laughs> only when it like serves his purposes. Anyway, it's complicated, but it's a great book. It's kind of dark um, and Harry Potter-ish. So yeah, that's my first pick. Great. Okay. So my next pick is actually a nonfiction book, surprisingly. Um, it reads really, really, really um, quickly and well. It's called Unbroken. It was made into a movie. It was one of those books that was written for adults and then adapted for younger readers. Um, so the full title is Unbroken, a World War II story of survival, resilience, and redemption. It's by Laura Hillenbrand. She's just a brilliant writer. Um, so what this is about, it's a man named Louis Zemperini. He enlists in World War II. He ends up as a bombardier in a U.S. military plane. And the story and plot is so interesting, um, and it is a true story. But I think what really shines out of this book is just the descriptions. Like you really feel like you have a better understanding of what it was like to fight in World War II. And like you feel like you understand how these planes are built and like how clunky they were to fly. Like she's very descriptive about, um, like for example, the pilots, like the way they had to maneuver the plane, like parts of their body would be more developed than other parts of their body. Like their right arm would be like so much more muscular because of the way they had to sort of manipulate the instruments to get the plane to do what it wanted, what they wanted it to do. Um, also sort of, like the bonding between the flying teams should really like get into that and just like, you know, their friendships and like how they worked as a team to sort of get out of all these um, situations that were dangerous. And anyway, so what happens with Louis is that his plane um, gets shot down and he ends up on this tiny raft thousands of miles from land and he has to like battle sharks and like try to find food and all this stuff and then he ends up getting captured by the Japanese ends up in their camps anyways it's a crazy story it reads really fast and it I think the way that Laura Hillenbrand writes the story just makes you want to know like what happened next to him so I think it 
is a good like nighttime reading book because you know I don't think your dad will get sleepy I think he'll like really want to see what happens next so that's my next pick Okay, so my last one is Complicit by Stephanie Kuhn. This is a mystery thriller, young adult mystery thriller. Um, So I think it's right up your dad's alley. And it would be so interesting to read it out loud. Okay, so it's uh, about a boy named Jamie who is in, I think, foster care. His sister, um, two years before the book starts, was put in a juvenile detention facility for burning down their neighbor's barn. Um, And he's he's happy that she was put away because she used to be Uh, really nice, but then she started kind of falling apart, drinking, stealing, lying to their parents, uh, getting into like weird situations with other kids in the woods, Um, lots of just like weird stuff, bad behavior. And so when she finally goes away, Jamie's like kind of relieved. He loves his sister, but you know, deep sigh of relief. Um, But then as the book begins, she's out. She's getting out of um, detention and is coming back to find him. And um she wants to tell him the truth about their past. It was a truth he doesn't remember. They've got a kind of traumatic childhood and he doesn't remember it. And she's kept it from him this whole time to protect him. And she doesn't want to tell anyone. Um, but that's the mystery at the center of it is what is the truth of their relationship between the two of them. And then when she starts, when she returns and other stuff starts happening, other bad stuff starts happening. Um, of course, he blames her automatically because she's a delinquent who has just returned to town as all this horrible stuff starts falling apart. And you, you, you find out if that's true, if it is her, if it's someone else, um, why Jamie the boy doesn't remember. Anyway, the, the thing that I think would be fun about this is trying to race your dad to see who can figure out what the truth is um, first. Because it's I got it like about three quarters of the way through. Um, but I think smarter readers will get it way before that. But I don't know. I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm usually not very good at the guessing of who who done it or whatever, or like the bottom of a mystery. But I think this would be really fun to read together. And it's pretty short. You could probably get through it in just like a, a week or two reading it out loud. But there's no way anyone is falling asleep before you figure out what happens. Um, and it's just, oh, it's thrilling. It's a thrilling thriller. Anyway, I said it. That's right. I said it. So that's our show. Yay. Thank, thank you so much for coming on and helping me with these questions. Kid lit, not my wheelhouse, obviously. Um, but I had a lot of fun like researching and picking books for it. So it was awesome. good. Um, so please do go, excuse me, rate us on iTunes. Leave a review if you'd like. You can find us on social media. I'm on Twitter at I'm Amanda Nelson. Karina's on Twitter at Karina Jan Glazer. And I will leave a link to that uh, in the show notes so you can find her. And thanks to everyone for listening. Oh, don't forget to send me your holiday rec- uh, requests so we can answer them in our December show and help you do all of your holiday shopping. So yeah, all right. Have a great day, everybody. 